Hello and welcome to Billy Dilly Queer in Philly, a podcast focused on queer theory and its application in Philadelphia. I'm LaShonda, one of your hosts and a current graduate student in the Education Policy Division at the University of Pennsylvania. This podcast is brought to you by the Queer Theory and Education Group, a subsidiary of Activism Beyond the Classroom, a class facilitated by Professor Crystal Strong at the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education. I'm with the other members of my group, Amiri, Michaela, and Erin, and I think it would be great to share with everyone a little bit about yourself and what did you first think about when you heard of queer theory? Hello, I'm Erin and I'm a student graduating from the Higher Education Program. I honestly knew nothing about queer theory before this course, um, but over time I've really been interested to look at the ways in which queer theory has applications um, for like liberation moments as well as interrogating um, your own positionality, the positionality of others, and privilege in everyday life. Hi, I'm Michaela. I'm a student in the Education, Culture, and Society program. I first came to queer theory in an academic context through my undergrad work as an English major. Um, there I began using it to work through the role that we play in affirming or disrupting norms and assumptions of power, not only in the ways we embody our gender and sexuality, but across the rest of our lives. Hi, my name is Mary Banks, and I'm a master's student in higher education. I first came to queer theory as a result of my conversations and interactions with radical comrades and peers as an undergraduate. Um, and as a result of these interpersonal uh, communications, I began to become more curious about the ways in which I could use this knowledge and also build my knowledge base around this topic in order to destabilize systems and reimagine the way we live our lives as human beings in this world. Thanks, friends. So when we first imagined queer theory in education, we thought about how queer theory is taught in our schools and its sort of utility and how it could be useful. Now we're really interested in understanding not just the way that queer theory works within our schools, but also how our queer communities can educate others, either within or outside of the school. Yeah, and a Kevin Kamashiro quote that we thought was really salient to this experience says, I focus on activists, queer activists specifically, because they're doing the kind of work that I would like to see educators and students doing. That is, not only voicing support, but also acting to bring about change. Because they have never, to my knowledge, been invited into this conversation by researchers, and because they bring life experiences of becoming and being activists that can provide models for anti-oppressive education. I focus on activists who work against multiple forms of oppression because I hope to theorize approaches to anti-oppressive education that can address multiple and intersected forms of oppression. And what about you? Yes, you, the listener. Have you even fucking heard of queer theory? Today on this podcast, we'll discuss the origins of queer theory and what it means for us in the real world. We'll begin by hearing from you, learning about your thoughts and ideas. Then we will hear from the Black and Brown Workers Cooperative and through interviews by, from those within the Philadelphia community to try and make sense of all of this beautiful and complex mess. This is an interview with my friend who wishes to remain anonymous. In it, we discuss the importance of creating alternative, safe, trans spaces, feeling like your queerness is not queer enough, and the comfort in having theory as a tool for clarification and affirmation. How do you identify in terms of gender and sexuality? Um, I identify as genderqueer, and um, and then as my gender and then sexuality queer. Okay. Um, can you say more about why those words feel like the right words for you? Yeah. Um, well, I used to identify as bi, and then somebody pointed out to me that 
I don't believe in a binary, in a gender mm-hmm. binary. Mm-hmm. So, like, why would I, you know, acknowledge a binary? Yeah. And I was like, that was wow. true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's why I really decided that queer fit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and gender queer feels like... I, I, I think kind of the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't really see a binary. Like, when I, I feel like I have, like, sometimes I feel like I just have, like, different glasses than everybody else, you mm. know? Not everybody else, but many other people. Mm. And when I look around, I'm like, there's so many different genders here. And I'm like, mm. how could people just see, like, these, like, two genders? I just, like, can't see that. Mm-hmm. And so I really just, I just keep picturing, like, here are the polar, here are the poles, and I'm mm. just, like, somewhere in the middle I'm like definitely not here and I'm definitely not here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that makes so much sense to me Mm -hmm. um how what was the kind of process of feeling like you landed on those terms what was that like I think I started from like a more extreme place not extreme Mm -hmm. place but like I like I started by know by knowing a lot of binary trans people Mm -hmm. and so within that I was like oh I'm not like, basically, I was like, oh, I'm not that. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. trans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm, I don't identify as a man. I don't, like, think I'm, like, binary trans. Mm-hmm. So then it was, like, kind of a whittling down mm-hmm. from there, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, like, I just have, like, an interesting context, I think, that mm-hmm. I land on those words within because um, I think my my frame of reference was me as compared to a bunch of trans people Mm -hmm. as opposed to me as compared to like the general world Mm -hmm. so I was like am I trans no I'm not Mm -hmm. trans but like what am I okay I'm under the I'm under like the trans umbrella Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um and like at this camp that has been such a big part of my life for Mm -hmm. so long I feel like I'm not trans Mm -hmm. but like in the rest of the world I, I feel like I am, like, obviously under this trans umbrella, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's probably how I came into, like, mm-hmm. genderqueer as, like, a, a non... As a, as a word that was not, like, specifically trans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was just lucky that I grew up in, like, the right time where the word queer was just very, like, accessible. Yeah. I asked my friend to say more about the camp they referenced, which I know from previous conversations is a camp which serves trans and genderqueer youth. How did you get involved with it? I got involved because I was um, I was actually volunteering at another camp mm-hmm. with the person who ended up becoming the director of it, Nick. And um, Nick and I were volunteering, and then this camp, um, when Nick transitioned, mm-hmm. they, like, uninvited him, basically. Like, they were like, you can't come back, which I know it was so horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it was This is, like, the most, like, lemons into lemonade story. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and I had a lot of family members who were on the board of that camp who, okay. like, maybe were part of that decision, like, hard to say. Mm. And I, um, you know, I was, like, this this sort of, like, year or two out of, out of women's studies mm-hmm. school. Like, I know how to write an activist letter, you know? Yeah. And so I, like, wrote to the board, and I was like, hey, like, what you're doing is really prejudiced, and, like, yeah. that's messed up, and, yeah. you know, whatever. And so Nick, um, like really quickly like within that year was like you know what I'm gonna start my own camp trans kids yeah and he was looking for a board and he was like he just he like I guess he like he knew that I wrote that letter so he Mm -hmm. I think it like came up in his brain he's like oh Julie's an ally Mm -hmm. and 
he knew that I had a lot of like camp experience and songwriting, like just like I had a bunch of different skills. So he was like, you would be a good person to come to this camp, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was yeah. like filling a huge need. Yeah. 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 Do you think people hear about it like through word of mouth? Or yeah, like, definitely yeah. word of mouth. And then although we are a non-therapeutic camp, mm-hmm. um, they hear about it through like social workers and cool. therapists and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I like that it, well, by non-therapeutic, does that mean that it's a more like traditional, do fun things? Yeah, it's like a hundred percent that. I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah, and like that's what the parents thank us for. They're yeah. like, thank you for providing like a non-therapy space because yeah. my kid is like only in therapy spaces. Yeah, totally. Then I'm thinking about how like you still figured out what felt right for you apart from that space. Were there like mm-hmm. people or communities that were like influential or nourishing? Okay, I think that I've had a lot of external. Like, external perception uh, um, explanations. Like, mm. like what, I was dating this person for a long time in Portland, and um, when I first met him, he was like, oh, I just assumed that, you know, kind of just like, you were just this, like, big lesbian, you know? <laughs> like, like, I just assumed that, that that played out in, like, a lot of, like... Um, in, like, a lot of our sexuality, mm-hmm. like, he w- he just, like, assumed that I had, like, hooked up with, like, lots and lots of women mm-hmm. and, like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we first, first hooked up, I was, like, I was, like, that's, like, that's such a funny perception of you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, that's, that is not the case, actually. Like, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't remember, like, maybe I hooked up with, like, one woman or, like, mm-hmm. maybe, like, you know. Um, I think I was, like, at the beginning of that journey. Mm. Um, so that was, like, a memorable moment of just mm. being, like, oh, this is how another person perceived me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, um, I feel like that, like, kept happening. And then over, and then I feel like, okay, that's, like, the, the beginning, that's, like, the bottom bread of the sandwich. <laughs> and then the top bread of the sandwich is that I just recently, you know, just, like, thinking more about my pronoun, mm-hmm. I've been, like, well, you know, what is it like when other people call me they? And, like, mm. what are they perceiving and like do they feel like they like they fits me and Mm. um you know I I was with a bunch of camp friends and I was going by they kind of like like experimentally Mm -hmm. preliminarily and I asked a friend after the weekend like how did that feel Mm -hmm. and he was like I mean it was very obvious like I think of you as they all the time Mm -hmm. anyway so Mm -hmm. like that they're like of course you know so and then between those two breads there's like a lot of just like sandwich (laughs) stuff you know yeah. like the, all that that I think a lot of it is like me seeing how other people see me mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. on one hand I don't want to care how other mm-hmm. people see me because mm-hmm. I just like what's important to me is important to me mm-hmm. and on the other hand like I don't know the, the way that you are seen is like a sounding board for mm-hmm. who you are mm-hmm. so I think I think it's that has influenced me yeah like I've I've seen it's kind. Of, it's kind of like a, a reality check in some way. You know, mm-hmm. when you like verbally reality check with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like those have been like visual reality checks or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I guess I'm just really sitting with the like external like confirmation kind of. Yeah. Um, because I I do think that matters so much. Like to me, and it's tough because I don't want to feel like you know. I need anything more than my own sense of what is right and good. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm thinking, and this is like a theory nerd moment, so I don't know if you'll remember this from school, but um, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you read any Judith Butler stuff? Maybe not that okay. I remember. Okay, so she has this theory of like basically her premise is that like we're constantly kind of creating ourselves, yeah, um, and our gender and our identities. Um, and oh, I just process. read such a good quote about that. Yeah, so that like gender is performative and iterative, right? So yeah. we're like, always doing it. We're always doing our bodies. Yes. And that that is an intensely vulnerable thing to be doing, right? Because it depends on other people's recognizing you. I'm recognizing yeah. you and you're recognizing your presence yeah. and you're taking up space, right? Um, um, queer theory. Fluidity, self, and structure as relational and situational accomplishments. Resisting clearly defined concepts and fixed ways of understanding. Mm, I love that. I, yeah, I love that too. And I was <laughs> yeah. just like, this is... Um, it's so comforting to be mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. to be like, I'm still figuring it out mm-hmm. or I am always figuring it out. Yes. And I am like, I am relational, which means that it does matter me in relation to someone else. Like mm-hmm. at camp, I'm like, quote unquote, not trans. Mm-hmm. But then out here, I like am in some ways trans. I don't want to say yeah. I'm trans, but like, yeah. Um, yeah, but the like, Gender is in everything. Yeah, I think it's what made me ask that question because <laughs> I just like my you know own sense of like feeling like I know myself right and feeling comfortable and good in the world. It's like not separable mm-hmm. <laughs> from understanding my gender and my sexuality. And I think, um, yeah, especially questions of like power. <laughs> um, yeah. And like relationship are so gendered. Right. I know, definitely. I, I like how you said that, like the like your sense of feeling like okay as who you are mm-hmm. is it's it's unsettling. It's like if you're not settled with your gender or like really I mean any you could you could mm-hmm. insert here like mm-hmm. anything, like if you're not settled with your fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. It's an unsettling experience to like mm-hmm. move around the world. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about um like, I feel, I feel like that's manifested for me mostly in terms of, like, clothing. Mm. Like, I'm always, like, I just, like, never feel, I think I'm getting better at it now, but, mm. like, I never feel, like, right. Just, like, yeah. I, I always feel like I, I, like, just leave the house and I'm, like, what am I wearing? Yeah. I'm just, like, this yeah. isn't right, you know? Yeah. I can't figure it out. And that, that feels like the, the biggest uh, gender, mm-hmm. an unsettled, like, unsettled self slash gender moment yeah yeah one time I was explaining to my friend who like she I think she was just like asking me about my gender and Mm -hmm. like didn't quite understand like where I was where I was with it Mm -hmm. and um I was like you know when you wake up in the morning and you like here's the spectrum of clothing the spectrum of shirts Mm -hmm. (laughs) she has like this range in her closet Mm -hmm. and every day whatever she feels like is somewhere between this range Mm -hmm. And I was like, every day I wake up and the range is like this big. Mm-hmm. And I just like, don't know. And I like, can't mm-hmm. figure it out. Da, 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 da. And she was like, whoa. My friend and I then circled back to the implications for understanding gender as non-binary. If you don't believe in a binary mm-hmm. for gender, yeah. then like when you talk about attraction, yeah. like that gets really blurry. Totally. And like, I think that's the next like sort of frontier of, of words <laughs> that yeah. will crop up. Yeah. Um, because it's very hard to explain. It's like once you've like crashed mm-hmm. this line, mm-hmm. you can't draw a 
a line from this line to that line. Yeah. This is blurry. So then, totally. yeah, so we have to think of new words somehow. Yeah. I, okay, my push for a while, nobody else seems really into this, <laughs> but like rather than needing to, and this doesn't totally like, you know, resolve that, but like why when you describe your sexuality, do you also have to identify your own gender? Why can't it just oh, be like, I'm attracted to yeah. these things? Why, yeah, why does it have to be in relation to, you know? Um, That's a great point. Yeah. Well, and I think also then it would feel easier to say, like, I typically like queer people. Yeah. You know, versus, like, as a queer person, I typically, like, there's one right. less moving part. Yes, <laughs> um, that's such a good idea. Well, it's kind of like the word, like, pansexual. Yeah. It's like you're not saying who you are in that right, statement. Right, right. Pansexual, asexual. Yeah, it has to be something sexual. Right. Well, but, but like, hetero and homosexual don't work because then oh, you're saying right. same or different. Right, right, right. As yourself. Except for those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, what could, ones, yeah. like, um, like, if you really like femme women, would you be mm -hmm. like, I'm femsexual? That'd be great. I'd okay, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Yes, I think it can. Did you read Frindle, the book? Uh uh. Okay, it's about this this child who just like makes up a new word for pen, and the word he picks is Frindle. And <laughs> like coins and your words by just repeating them and using it in his culture. Um, <laughs> The following is an interview with my friend who wishes to remain anonymous. In it, we discuss the limits and value of queer theory language, the vulnerability and power of identifying your gender identity when that identity is constructed as variant, and how context, for example, at work versus in the social community, shapes what my friend wants from others and for themselves. I guess I identify as gen as uh, trans non-binary. Um, in terms of my gender identity, mm -hmm. although I would often tell other people gender queer mm -hmm. because when you say the word trans, that means a lot of stuff to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess in terms of my sexual orientation, I would identify as queer mm -hmm. uh, because when you're non-binary, other labels don't make a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you say more about when, when you say that trans means a lot of things to a lot of different people? What kinds of things are you thinking about? Um, I think trans feels like a really weighty term mm. to folks. Um, and whether or not I want people to have that weight depends on the context or the situation. Mm. So in my work life, if if it comes up, mm -hmm. I might say I was genderqueer. I probably wouldn't say that I'm trans non-binary. Mm -hmm. But when I'm with like a, a with it, a woke community, <laughs> I might say trans non-binary mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know when you say trans people like that has a lot of weight for them and they imagine mm -hmm. they imagine a very like binary mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. um and sometimes can't then it's just confusing for them mm -hmm. um yeah also sometimes i like want to be me and out but i don't want that to be the focus of things mm -hmm. and identifying publicly as like gender queer mm -hmm. makes that easier because it's just, it's a more nebulous category that people don't understand. Yeah. Not that they understand trans. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So I guess I would say I identify as trans femme non-binary. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, yeah. What, what is the process of like getting to that? Like, for you? like it took me a long time mm -hmm. to, to figure that out. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the non-binariness made it very clear that I didn't fit in mm -hmm. and that like 
yeah, I made it very clear that I didn't fit in and that some, something wasn't quite right, mm -hmm. but it didn't really, it made it difficult for me to find my community. I think also mm -hmm. being trans femme, there aren't a lot of, I don't know, a lot of really wonderful people have done really hard work to mm -hmm. create room in the spectrum for women to be women in lots of parts of the gender spectrum, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that work has not been done mm -hmm. so much on the masculine side yeah. of the gender spectrum. So I think I really, like, I didn't have a lot of role models of like, I had, there were like gay effeminate women, mm -hmm. which is not really the same, mm -hmm. but yeah. So it took me mm -hmm. a long time to sort of like find that category. So I guess, mm -hmm. um, it took moving to Philly and then just mm. being around so many people who created a gender experience for themselves mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and seeing how much agency they had in that mm -hmm. to, to figure out that I could do that too. Mm -hmm. Then I circled us back to thinking about how language is both limiting and useful. What is the value of being able to like literally identify with something that somebody else will understand when you say mm -hmm. like, this is how I think, this is how I feel versus like in what sense cannot be limiting or feel like it doesn't fully like, it's not like necessarily dynamic or it doesn't like get every part of what I'm feeling in a given moment or doesn't change as I change, you know? Um, I just think it's cool that I, I think there's always this, there's this thing in my transness mm -hmm. that I think about a lot, which is like, what am I moving towards versus what am I moving away from? Mm. And in what situation is the away or the towards more important? Mm. Um, and it's just like fascinating. I don't know. It's fascinating to me that like the, for me where I'm coming from is less in terms of like who I want to hang out with. Mm -hmm. Like I tend to not want to hang out with, like I'm less interested in hanging out with trans femme binary people mm. with, with like trans women mm -hmm. than I am with trans mask people, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, because like, I think in, in some ways we're closer to the same Mm -hmm. destination mm -hmm. i don't know i just think that's that's interesting mm -hmm. i think that's yeah. a thing also in developing trans identity certainly mm -hmm. developing my trans identity mm -hmm. is noticing when i'm moving away something or towards something, mm -hmm. or towards something. <laughs> it's, it's just like people who are like why can't we just be who we are and whatever it's like mm -hmm. i mean i would love that, would love that <laughs> but like actually in order to live my life i have to think about this all the time yeah so like yeah i'm gonna claim a fucking label yeah yeah. Yeah. Because that's you. Cause it makes it a little bit easier. It's yeah. like having a label makes it slightly easier. Yeah. So even though like, I think we can all agree as like progressive people that gender mm -hmm. shouldn't matter. Like it mm -hmm. does in today's world. I have to think about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take a label just like you get a label. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We followed this thought to my friend's experience of safety as a non-binary trans person. Yeah. I don't know. It's also, there's a lot of stuff that I have had the pleasure of not experiencing mm -hmm. um it is it can be quite dangerous to be a trans woman mm -hmm. it's much more dangerous to be a, tr a black trans woman mm -hmm. um a brown trans woman mm -hmm. um and i think presenting being non-binary comes with some safety mm. in that as well mm. um yeah but the yeah, I guess I don't mean to, I don't mean to like imply that it is safe. Mm -hmm. Being queer is safe in Philly. Mm -hmm. um, although I have not, I certainly felt unsafe, but I haven't actually experienced yeah. 
yeah, experience that personally, but yeah, other people have, people I know have. Yeah. yeah. When you say that you think um, being non-binary, non-binary for you has meant like not necessarily being as unsafe, is that is that what you were saying? Can you say more about that? Um, I just think people will read me the way they want to read me. Interesting. So, and I think being non-binary is less of a threat to the, yeah, Mm. less of a threat to like the status quo kind of than Mm -hmm. being a trans woman. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I have a friend who's a trans woman and mm-hmm. she will get catcalled. And then when someone gets closer, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get transphobic mm-hmm. epithets. That's less likely to happen to me, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I'm people mm-hmm. are just like, who the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. Like they're just confused. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't evoke the same kind of mm-hmm. rage. Yeah. That's the thing about being trans that trans femme that I think is kind of taboo. Mm-hmm. Is that like I was fucking socialized male, mm. and that like gave me a lot of privilege in the mm. world, mm-hmm. and I feel some duty and responsibility to use that. Mm. Although I don't know, maybe that's also me minimizing my own experience, but mm. I I do feel like like I I was not out at work, mm-hmm. and I amassed a lot of power. Like I I don't know yeah. if I would have gotten to where I am now if I was out as trans non-binary. Yeah. Um, and like on HRT and like presenting femme yeah. 10 years ago, yeah. like what I've been taking seriously, what I've got. So I feel like mm. I've like amassed all this power and privilege on the back of being socialized and, and passing for passing for a man, mm-hmm. um, and have a responsibility mm-hmm. to like use that to create safe spaces for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've like always compartmentalized hardcore. Mm. Like it's not like. I don't know. I've been hiding major parts of my identity mm-hmm. for, you know, most of my life mm-hmm. and am only just starting to learn how to let my like partner who mm-hmm. is like amazing and creates very safe spaces for me, mm-hmm. like just learning how to let my partner in. So maybe it just feels a little bit less like, yeah, for me, it's like, obviously you're not yourself. I wanted to wake up the flames. I wanted to wake up to it already going down. To the idea that all I'd have to do was walk outside to a revolution in the name of our fallen. I wanted to wake up to that. Seems too easy to forget, doesn't it? <laughs> Yo! Why do you make me do this? Somebody had to do it, huh? Thought it was gonna be y'all. I guess not. Bring the band in. Ain't no time to pray. I said ain't no time to waste. Y'all be acting like trans people don't be dying every day. But we don't show up in your songs, we just show up in your bags. And we don't get tagged in your statuses, but the status of bodies with tags. Fuck all these microaggressions, fuck all this internalized depression. Y'all saying it's time for war, we ain't got no luxury for concessions. Speaking truth out of my mouth, do y'all care what I'm talking about? Let me clear it up if you doubt, it's all of us and none of us, flat out. Y'all leaving the cell. Hey, 
if you doubt, it's all of us and none of us flat out. Can you tell that I'm mad? Can you tell that it's bad? I'm like a